0: Uh, This issue has got people really thinking and uh, it sounds like we need to revisit this. Regarding work hours, we need a rethink, says Pam. Thank you for raising it. I was discussing just the same thing with my daughter, has two small children who has had to work just to meet the cost of housing. We agreed... The model is completely outdated and causes massive headache for parents who have to figure out how to work and juggle children out of school. It seems that with flexible thinking, we could do better to cater today's parents. It's not just the mismatch of the length of the day. It's also the holidays that crop up. We came up with an idea that it would be possible to make school days shorter, make the other half of the day for play, sport, art, homework, Activities, you know, the activities that parents generally spend hours running around after school to enrich kids' lives. If kids had shorter education hours each day, they could be at school longer with four weeks holidays a year to match parents' time. Pam wants a rethink. So let's talk about it. We discussed the pay, public pay gap register yesterday, and then during our conversation, panelists. Heather Roy talked about the work of Dr. Alan Joan Nelson who started the hashtag work school hours movement. Now, Alan is a former army captain who now works as a business consultant. She's on the line. Alan, kia ora.
1: Hi, how's it going?
0: Very well. Amazed by how much this comes up in daily life, this issue. That school hours, work hours are now mismatched. They don't add up as creating stress. Why did you create this movement?
1: Yeah, sure. So it all came about from my PhD research, which focused on the experiences of women in the workforce, and then a subsequent kind of unintentional research project, which focused specifically on the experience of working parents. And what I found in this research, um, as you've just relayed from some of the people that have written into you, is that the current construct of work, it's, it's just not working. Uh, especially for parents, and there are there are many different structural barriers facing women in the workplace, but one of the biggest issues is this mismatch between the work schedule and the school schedule. Um, and as you're aware, you know the forty hour nine to five week it was cemented basically a century ago around Henry Ford's car manufacturing era. And of course, back then, you know, women were much less represented in the workforce, uh, men were much less represented in the home force, and so that construct was just based off the assumption that workers are not primary caregivers of children. Uh, yet we know, and today, that's you know, significantly different. You know, Women have been in the workforce uh, for decades now, and men are playing a bigger and bigger role in the home force, yet this construct hasn't changed. Uh, and so, as you mentioned from one of your callers as well, you know, every single working parent, and roughly eighty percent of the population do become parents. They have to think every single day for what could you know easily span out, sorry, span out more than two decades of their working career. What the heck do I do with my kids after school? What the heck do I do with them during the school holidays? And I'm I'm just baffled that we live in a modern day society where. The schedule of adults is different to the schedule of children.
0: And- they keep on coming, Alan. here's another one. Absolutely oh. our work <laughs> schedule is off. less time with our children, heady childcare fees, and who's productive for eight hours? non-stop. Shorten the work day and build stronger families. Uh, it's a nightmare, Alan, and it's expensive.
1: Oh, absolutely, and you know it manifests in all these different ways, which are really bad for the economy. You know, you've got working parents who are hugely stressed. That impacts their performance at work. You've got high rates, high rates of burnout. Uh, There's underutilisation of parents, m- still mainly women in the workforce. Uh, we have underrepresentation of women in leadership roles, and again, all of this negatively impacts the economy. So. I think the bit that I get really excited about is I think we all understand the problem, right? We, we know that the current construct is is very difficult for parents and this is a bad thing. And we feel that the solution could be, well, you know, let's let's make it easier for parents. Let's change the hours. But the bit that gets me really excited is that I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of this, and there's research to back it up as well, is that doing this is not just this kind of lovely idea that's nice for women. Actually, it's also good for men. And it's commercially smart. Um, and I'm, I'm a realist and I'm pragmatic. You know, the rubber doesn't hit the road and organisations won't care about changing this uh, unless they can see the benefits. And, yeah, okay. I'd, l- I'd love to share the benefits with you.
0: Okay. You, will. We'll hold that thought. Let's get our um, panellists in. By the way, this is called the hashtag WorkSchoolHoursMovement. Uh, someone says here kids are exhausted with 8 to 10 hours in school and care. Nalini?
2: Well, as you know, I don't have children, so I feel a little like I'm not qualified to make a statement. No, no, but... I,
0: I, I didn't know that, but, uh, but, but, jump on in.
2: But looking in um, as an observer, I'm an aunt as well, so I, I guess I can. Um, I just wanted to ask: um, is, Has the last two years been a bit of a silver lining on a cloud? Have we had the opportunity to look at the workforce, look at productivity, look at working from home, flexible hours, and how, you know, the the working the working um, industry um, needs to maybe pivot to, to make it a lot more possible for mothers and not parents generally to be able to juggle all of this?
1: Absolutely. I do see that as one of the silver linings. You know, the pandemic has really, it's fundamentally accelerated conversations and practices around flexible working arrangements. And and that, along with you know many other issues, you know, the great resignation, we've got mental health in the workplace is in a really bad way. There's huge movements around rectifying social inequities. Uh, we've got productivity not doing so well in New Zealand. And I think kind of all of these things are creating a perfect storm and a burning platform for why absolutely this is the time to to look at how we do things differently.
0: Alan?
3: Yeah, I I agree with the whole silver lining uh what you said there. I've had many arguments uh, over the years about why kids have to wake up at 6am. And whenever my daughter stays with me, we change our body clock pretty quick. So she stays up later because uh, my hours are different. And what I'm saying here is a lot of different people work in different jobs with different hours. And yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the lockdown people working from home, is there such a system where you don't have to go to school from in the morning till the afternoon say there's two hours in the evening two hours in the morning to cover different subjects and whatever hours suit different teachers then they can fit into this slot uh and kind of uh tailor make it like that is that mental is that crazy no
1: <laughs> I think so I'm I'm not an expert when it comes to what's best for children and what's best for education. So what I would say is yeah, people that are experts in that space design the best system possible for scheduling students for, for learning and for studying. And then whatever that schedule comes out to be, I believe that work should match it.
0: Got to come back to yeah. this. Uh, yes, Bill, someone says, yes, build stronger families, but consider those who do not have the ability to negotiate their situation. Mm-hmm. That is, those yes. who have to yes. work at night, usually lower pay Pacifica, mm-hmm. as an example. How do they fit in this construct, Ellen?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think a lot of this is I'm really targeting, convincing the organisations why this is beneficial to them. So it's all you know, great to talk about these issues and why it would be good for society, but... It won't work unless organisations can see the benefit. So if we talk with organisations about why changing these things is actually going to be good for them, then they are far more inclined to want to make these changes and therefore benefit those staff who are not necessarily as empowered to ask for what they need. Um, And some of those things for why organisations would benefit is that if their staff are, are less stressed, if they are happier, there's tons of research out there that shows that that actually leads to things like improved innovation, creativity, productivity, all of which leads to better firm, firm, excuse me, firm performance. Uh, I want to come back was... to this
0: issue. Uh, we've uh, had such a response to this. Uh, this is uh, uh, Dr. Alan Joan nelson who has started this hashtag work-school-hours movement saying, look, there's just a real mismatch. Here's another one. Work hours are especially hard to manage for solo parents uh, and parents of children with disabilities. I'm a solo parent of a child with a disability and cannot use before or after school care or holiday programs for this reason. I have a master's degree but can only work during school hours. I haven't found a job I am qualified for yet. I'm stuck in low-paid work within schools, for example, cleaning as they uh, accommodate my challenges. So, Ellen, uh, kia ora f- just for now, but we might bring you back on again because there's been uh, um, quite a varied and large response to this. So um, appreciate your time.
1: Hey, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, yes, keep that thought. Goodness gracious, keep that thought coming. Those thoughts coming. Um, uh, There's Dr. Alan Joan Nelson. Do you agree with that? Do you support? Uh, do you support the principle uh, of the hashtag Work School Hours movement that there is a mismatch between our work schedule and the school time schedule? Fifteen to five. The panel, NZ National. New Zealand New Zealand Paralympian and wheelchair rugby player Barney Cordefernesi uh, is fundraising for a new ride share service, one that is safe and user friendly for people with disabilities. People who use wheelchairs or travel with service animals are vulnerable. They're kept waiting for an accessible ride, and that can sometimes be up to two hours. Now, I spoke to Barney a few weeks ago on afternoons when he launched the fundraiser in February. And I thought, no, this needs more attention. So I thought I'd invite Barney back on because we've got to get help. We need to get this money up for uh, uh, Barney Koneferenisi and is with us now. Barney, kia ora. Lovely to have you back on RNZ.
4: Kia ora, Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate the uh, opportunity to come back.
0: No, uh, no problems, because we need to get that uh, that van for you. For those who didn't hear the first interview, explain the situation for us. Explain, if you're in a wheelchair now, you need to get around, what's the problem?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're in a wheelchair, um, especially a fairly large wheelchair, um, you require a, a van with a hoist to get around. Um, these there, there are vans with hoists, but these tax, taxi companies do have these vans. But the only issues that in the early mornings, uh, from six to ten a.m., they're all booked up for school runs. So that kind of leaves adults like ourselves um, that rely on these sort of services to go to work or certain life events kind of in the dust. And then we end up uh, having to plan our journey two days ahead and having to push to our meetings or push to certain uh, certain events. That and sometimes that does leave us in a vulnerable situation. Sometimes either getting hit by uh, getting hit by cars. Or there are a lot of times, especially in the Auckland City uh, CBD, there are always uh, Lime scooters blocking the footpaths, and there are a lot of guys that aren't, um, they don't have that strong upper body strength to go around them, and they just end up falling out of their chairs and face-planting onto the road.
0: And that includes also the long wait times it can be up to sort of two or three hours if you don't have a um, yeah. um, ride available. Is that right?
4: Absolutely, yeah. If you are calling for accessible car, and you didn't pre-book the, uh, the day or two days before the driver, the company operator always tells you um, due to uh, high demand, you will have to wait for two to three hours. So if you're booking for 9 a.m., you'll have to wait maybe after 11 o'clock and then the taxi will show up. And by the time the taxi shows up, uh, the place you're supposed to be meeting at, the, the meeting or anything else wouldn't be finished by then.
0: So in a nutshell, what are you looking for? What do you need? So we
4: are looking for, um, well, obviously we are trying to fundraise to buy the app. Uh, sorry, to buy the uh, wheelchair accessible van, which isn't cheap, because uh, the van itself is pretty pricey, but to install a hoist as well as um, install medical equipment, is, that
0: doesn't come cheap as well. Uh, let's bring out we've got a uh, panel with us this time, Barney. Nalini Baruch.
2: Hello, Barney. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. I mean, I would have no idea of what what your life is all about. And I'm sitting here thinking how grateful I am to Wallace for bringing you on and sharing it with us. Because a lot of people really wouldn't know um, what you have to go through just you know move from A to B, which most of us able bodied do so easily. Um, Bunny, I'm just trying to understand. What do you think? What's what what size of our population? What what is the impact? How many people are we talking about? And and who can we get on board to, to get you the the funding that you need? Because clearly government hasn't come to party, or is it something mm-hmm. you haven't looked into yet?
4: So we've ever since this, uh, this venture, this idea came to mind back in 2017, the amount mm-hmm. of um, grants and uh, scholarship hunting that we have done is absolutely insane. We've applied to we call it a little over 70 grants, and every single one of them has uh, shut us down. Uh, Did from, you say uh, you've applied for 80
0: grants? 80 grants you've applied yeah.
4: for? Yes, really? I have. from charity grants to government funds, and none of them have uh, picked up on this. Mm. Hence, why we, hence why I uh, decided to uh, go forward with the motion of, instead of wasting all my energy, because I felt burnt out applying for these grants, because they reopened. There's no point in me reapplying for these grants. So I might as well start a fundraiser and raise the funds myself, because
0: it's just all wasted energy. Alan McRoy. Yeah,
3: I'm sorry to hear uh, about that. I, a, my my father is a taxi driver in in Ireland, and I'm pretty sure it was law. But they had to make all of the cars and the rideshare share uh, mm. vehicles. Uh, they had to yeah. uh, so it could be wheelchair safe. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the law. There is there anything we could do here? Uh, you don't necessarily have to get a massive van. It was pretty much the mm-hmm. chair. Yeah. turned sideways. You could easily get in um, yeah. wheelchair in the boot
0: right
4: so what the with the laws here um, so taxis and ubers have different laws whereas in taxis they if they turn you down they can be prosecuted as they are employees of a company but even even with that law behind them they still don't really they don't care they still um, discriminate you discriminate against you uh, with right to uh, draw companies like uber and Didi, they are they are classified as independent contractors so then go they, they don't get paid a salary from the company they get uh, commissioned by the company so their car with that their, with their independent contractor thing uh, flying around, it protects them from being sued from certain individuals because the, the company might say, well, it's, this, it's their It's their, car. It's their choice. They can, they can do what they want.
0: All right. So the deal is uh, we need to get the van for you, uh, Bunny, don't we? Um, so yeah. the I'm just looking at the um, – give a little page now. And just, you can do a search, uh, providing a safer ride for the vulnerable. That again, providing Correct. a safer ride for the vulnerable. You need 80K to get this van. I think it's in Germany. It's a special yep. van. Uh, you yep. have $12,000 now, so not insignificant, but you need uh, a long way to go. You yep. need to get this van, right?
4: Absolutely. Well, like like I said, without the van, so the 80K will cover the van as well as the development of the app because we have a lot of people that are speech impediments that can speak through an operator. Um, and book a ride. So uh, we have an adaptive app developer that's on standby that can do this stuff and they can print it for. So the fact that we can get this van purchased and get the app developed for that 80K is a massive boost for us. But obviously we can't buy the van and get the app developed if we yeah. don't um, if We don't have the money.
0: Oh, kia ora, Barney. Thanks for your time and I really appreciate you being on the uh, the program again. Thank you. Uh, that is a New Zealand Paralympian and Wheelshire rugby player, Barney Uh And so that... Uh, that page again, providing a safer ride for the vulnerable. Uh, some wonderful donors too. Um, you know, giving twenty bucks, thirty bucks. That type of thing. there, there might even be a corporate out there listening to this. that go, you know what? I can actually stump up a little bit more money and actually get that van. It's on the wharf in Germany and uh, help uh, people who w- in wheelchairs be able to um, get around a little bit easier than they are now. Uh, so it's $12,000 now. Let's uh, try and get that to $80,000. Eight to five. The panel, 24. RNZ National, Nelini Baruch is with me. Also, Alan McElroy on a Friday afternoon. Uh, this is a delightful little story that we wanted just wanted to share with you uh, at the end of the program. We came across this in the Otago Daily Times. A 73-year-old farmer in South Otago <coughs> is not ready to put out his vintage Combine harvester to pasture quite yet. Why a South farmer Tom Whiteside Tom Whiteside, excuse me, is with us on the line. Tom, welcome to the panel.
5: Hi everyone. Yeah. Pleasure to be here.
0: Lovely to have you on. When did you buy your first combine harvester?
5: I bought my first combine harvester when I first went farming on my own account in nineteen seventy-six. Um the one that was featured in the paper, I, the first one I purchased was a very small toe behind the tractor machine, and I purchased that one two years later because I was increasing my size of uh, cropping area.
0: And I gather you've been hearing quite a bit from the locals since you featured in the local newspaper.
5: It's had a, a quite astounding um, reaction, actually, and uh, yeah, people from all over. Have uh, been in contact, and um, yeah, because there was a bit of a video uh, attachment that went with the uh, with the leader uh, with the paper article, and lots of people saw it there on that as well.
0: So for the uh, for those who know their farming and know their combine harvesters, because uh, a bit of a special one, tell us more about it. What is it?
5: Well, it was uh, it's a class um, combine. It, it's uh, what you call a Mercury. Now, the Mercury was the smaller model. The class at the time had the Mercury and the Matadors. The Matador was the bigger size for him, but the Mercury was a 10-foot front, and the Matadors had 12 and 14-foot fronts back in back in the 60s. This one was built in 1964. Wow. It had wow. a Fordson Ford's motor, so when I purchased it, it was already uh, 14 years old. And uh, I used it for approximately eight or nine years, then sold it on to a farmer down at Mossburn. Um, a bit of a story there. I sold it for $1,200, and uh, I knew it was there all these years. And three years ago, I repurchased it back for $1,200. So I'm not sure who got the good deal. Now I, I sort of feel we got, both got a good deal both times.
0: The story of the vintage combine harvester. What about you, Alan? Have you ever ridden on a combine harvester? I'd love to.
3: I haven't, no. It sounds fun. It sounds great. It's a lovely story. (laughs) And you're talking about heirlooms and keeping things in the family. That's a lovely story. I'd like it go.
5: Well, listen, the modern combine harvest is like being in a nice modern car. You've got air conditioning. You have all the mod cottons. My one had no no cab. You had to have goggles to keep the dust out of your eyes. (laughs) Earmuffs so you didn't go deaf. And... and, uh, face mask to stop choking in the dust. <laughs> no, not Lovely. flyers, the dust.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nalini? Um, Sorry. I'm
2: a, I'm a real big farm machinery geek. I, li- I live in the country and I actually don't live too far from a family that um, owns um, a lot of combined harvesters. And one of the wonderful things about living in the country is when you, when you hear the noise of them working at night, mm-hmm. um, I had a look at your um, nineteen sixty-one, sixty-four machinery. Yes. Um, will you one day? Will you one day send it to a museum somewhere? Is that the intention of buying back?
5: Um, well, the museum, such as such, is my shed at this stage. Um, <laughs> Uh, we I do have other vintage machinery there but that's another story And um, but I intend to keep it in good condition and bring it out of the shed every year or two and, and chase the birds nests out and uh, any other <laughs> vermin that happens to be there and give it a run and shine it up and make sure everything's working
0: Keep it going mm-hmm. Tom Keep the vintage, Keep the combine harvester going It's just delightful and thank you so much for being with us on the panel on Radio New Zealand Gone. That is Tom Whiteside there, Wywood a South Farmer, on the story of the vintage combine harvester. And look, it's uh, Power Bell Friday, so let's bring that heaven up and let's go out <laughs> with a little bit of um, just a bit of magic, I think. Hey, Alan, that's what it's all about. Here it goes. Yeah. Coming in yes, soon. You can almost hear it. No, not quite yet. <laughs> no, there it is. There you go. Some DJ. <laughs> all right, Alan. See you later, Nalini. Pleasure to a lot. you. You've Thanks. been wonderful. I'm Thanks Wallace, Wallace. See you Monday, 3:45. Bye.